you're listening to this, you're a mortgage professional who's probably wanting to scale your business. After 12 years of being in the trenches as a mortgage pro and nearly 180 interviews with top-performing loan officers and mortgage brokers, I've distilled the best ideas, strategies, and tactics into an eight-week program called the $25 million Blueprint. If you're wanting to take your business from $10 million a year to 20, or if you want to go from 25 to 50, this is the program that will help you scale. Step by step, we're going to show you exactly what the pros have done so that you can get there too. Go to mortgageblueprint.io to find out more. That's mortgageblueprint.io. I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 54. If you're prepared to take your mortgage business to the next level, there is only one place to go. I Love Mortgage Brokering with your host, Scott Peckberg. Hi, Broker Nation. I am thrilled to introduce our guest today, Ron LaFay. Ron is a mortgage broker with Invis Pure Mortgage. He's been a broker for five years based out of Edmonton. He's one of the CMP Top 75. He won the CMP Best Newcomer Award, and he's got some pretty sweet branding online. I'm absolutely stoked for this interview today. Ron, are you ready to rock? I'm ready to rock. You bet. Awesome. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. I've been with Invis for, you know, like you say, the past five years. I started a little bit part-time in 2009, but quickly figured out that I had to do it full-time in 2010. And that was my first official full year as being a mortgage broker. And like you said, I was in uh, 2012. I had one Best Newcomer Award at the CMP and I've just been progressively working on growing my business ever since. That's awesome. And so how did you get into the mortgage business? Because my experience has been no one starts out as a little kid saying, hey, I want to be a mortgage broker when I grow up. So how did you get there? Yeah, I got into the business. I had actually prior to being a mortgage broker, I was in the trades. And before that, I had a business that I had started from scratch. And so I had actually, I wasn't at all planning on becoming a mortgage broker. It, it almost happened by accident. I was actually planning on going back to university, getting my degree in accounting. And that was always my dream as a kid was to actually get my accounting degree. But I had uh, certain things that happened in my life that seemed to point me into this direction. And I had gave it a try, like I guess some people would do in 2010. And I haven't looked back. I love it. And I'm glad that I made the choice. Yeah, that's awesome. It seems like people get into this business and either love it or hate it. And if you love it, it's a fantastic way to make a living and support your family. And so, yeah, I'm hooked. So yeah, absolutely. But mind you, I, I host a podcast called I Love Mortgage Brokering. So it would be disingenuous if I'm like, I hate this business. <laughs> so yeah. before we dive into your story, I'd like to ask about a success quote that's really impacted your life or business. Because I love how quotes take an idea and distill it down into something that's portable and memorable. So can you share a quote that's really had an impact on you? Yeah, I had a tough time with this. Uh, just because I mean, those quotes seem to change whenever I see one, I'll usually write it down. And you know, the old adage, if you write something down, chances are it'll uh, happen for you a lot, or it'll be a lot more likely it'll happen for you. But that one that I really like is success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. And that was by Winston Churchill. Another quote that I like is most great people have attained their greatest success just one step beyond their greatest failure. And I can really relate to that one as well. So the, I love the Winston Churchill quotes. And so the can you give me an example of how you've applied one of those quotes recently in your day-to-day or your business? Yeah, I mean, I've always focused on trying to live a balanced life between work and life. I mean, I think that it's important to do well in business, but I think that if the rest of your life, I always kind of look at seven different categories of my life. And if I'm not succeeding in all the other categories, I don't think that your business can... Well, I mean, sure, maybe your business can succeed, but I don't think that you're going to live a fulfilled life. But as far as you know, the success uh, being not final and failure being not fatal, I had the business that I'd started when I was younger. I was about 21 years old and I had so 
sold the first home that I'd bought at that point to be able to take the money out and start my first business. I quickly realized that A, maybe I was a little bit too young at that time to be starting the business that I had started, but I still to this day don't really view it as a mistake that I'd made or as something that I regret. It's something that I learned and helped shape me to be who I am today, I guess. So what, just out of curiosity, what type of business was it that you had? It was actually a franchise of tanning salons. So I had started, I had opened up, it was, I don't know, it was pretty random. But I started, uh, <laughs> That's why your pictures look so good online. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, right. But yeah, that was basically what it was. And so I had sold out the entire business by uh, the time I was 20, although I was 23, I guess it was about two years. That's when I got into the trades because I realized I was just not at all ready to be taking on uh, the commitment that was involved with making sure that other people can put food on the table and making sure that uh, everybody else was collecting a paycheck, right? What would you say is the biggest lesson? I know this is digressing, but it, we're on, we're biz- mortgage brokers are entrepreneurs. What was the biggest lesson you had from this venture into the tanning business? I guess the biggest lesson is was just to get back up. I mean, I fell down and I really felt like I, I just need to get back up and get back into business. I've always known that I was going to get back into business, but um, I think something that's important is to make sure that if you're going to do anything in business, you need to be really, really passionate about it. And, and that mm-hmm. doesn't just happen overnight. You don't just like, I didn't become, you know, I didn't just decide to become a mortgage broker because I was passionate about being a mortgage broker. I never knew if I was going to be passionate about it, but mm-hmm. I knew when I became a mortgage broker, I needed to be passionate about what I was doing to be able to succeed. And at uh, the tanning business, I wasn't passionate about it. It was something that, again, it just kind of happened. And, you know, I think that's something that I definitely learned from that experience is if you're not really, really passionate about something that you're going to do, uh, whether business life doesn't matter, right? I just don't think that your chances of success are going to be all that, all that great. My brother and I, when we were in our, when I was in my early 20s, we started a, we, you know, those vending machines that used to sit on countertops that you put money in when you go into businesses. Yeah. And, and so we thought, hey, this looks like a killer business. Like we get licensed to print money. So instead of buying the machines, we convinced the guy to sell us all the equipment to manufacture the machines. But we were living in Fort Nelson. So pretty much end of the earth and it just turned into a giant catastrophe. And so, yeah, when you're talking about the tanning business, I don't know if your, your situation was like that, but mine was definitely, you know, like, oh man, what was I thinking? But yeah, big time. Yeah. But but as an Definitely entrepreneur though, get it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You look back and kind of laugh, but I think sometimes you got to learn those lessons and you're willing to take a risk. And, and that's what it is when you're an entrepreneur or mortgage broker, you got to be willing to just jump in and kind of see what happens, right? Yeah, exactly. Cool. So I'm just going to now ask you about processes because I find that successful mortgage brokers and speaking with them, they have systems and processes. They don't just show up and hope for the best. And I'm sure that you've built them over the time that you've been a broker. So I want to ask first about a, a administrative or sort of a document type process that you have maybe that wasn't working as well as you would like. And then a tweak you made and then the outcome that you got once you've made that adjustment? Yeah, I mean, this one's a tough question to answer as well. I mean, I'm always looking for ways to improve our you know, admin processes and, you know, it's an ongoing thing. I mean, best decision that I ever made was to hire an assistant who knows more about admin than I do. I've got the mentality if I don't have the expertise in an area and I don't have the time to figure it out, then I'll just hire somebody to, who does have A, the time and B, who's got the knowledge to be able to do it. I would say the processes that we used to do compared to the processes that we have now, I mean, we used to just kind of cater to, you know, if, if if we were collecting documents and a client said, oh, I don't have this document for this reason, or I don't want to provide you this document for whatever reason, we've just become very stringent on not accepting no for an answer that we need to get a complete document package up front to be able to properly advise our clients. And you know, I mean, sometimes, you know, some clients kind of, they do question, you know, why is it that we're asking for so much more than maybe what their bank has asked for? And, and we've just gotten a lot better at explaining that for us to be able to do it, our jobs proper, we have to get everything up front. So that would probably be the biggest change that I've found. And I found that uh, it's made 
a big difference with all of our lenders as well. It's made a big difference with our clients. We don't have any very, very seldom that we get into situations where we need to extend conditions because somebody's waiting for documents or whatever the case might be. But probably the best thing that I ever did to be able to make things smoother and easier. I was looking at one point at, you know, maybe hiring another person, but we always look at before we're going to hire another person, we look at maybe we can be more efficient doing the things that we're doing. And that's something that both uh, my assistant my assistant and I both strive to, to do is just, if there's something that we can be doing better, let's do it better before we need to go and hire other people. Right. Yeah. That's great advice. And so as an example, maybe if I said to you, if I'm a client and I'm talking to you and I'm like, Hey, Ron, okay, I'm looking to get my mortgage and it sounds like your list is longer. What kind of thing would you say to me just so that other people listening can kind of get an idea of the type of language or what you'd say? So what would you say to me when, when I'm saying to you, Hey, why do I need all this? stuff. Yeah, I mean, I would tell you the primary reason for us getting all of this paperwork is to make sure that we have all of our X's or our T's crossed and our I's dotted. I mean, you know, I know that a lot of the banks aren't going to ask you for all that paperwork up front. They're going to ask it uh, from you after uh, your purchase offer has been accepted, right? And, you know, I mean, you don't want to be, it's the time that you want to be dealing with things like home inspections, you know, other things. You don't want to be chasing paperwork at that time. And especially in a marketplace like Edmonton, where you'll see homes that go into, people go into multiple offers buying homes. And a lot of times you just don't have a lot of time, right? And um, so I'll I'll explain to my clients that you know if uh, if we get everything up front, chances of any surprises are next to none, and and it gives us you know at least if there's anything that I can catch that maybe gives us a better opportunity to get you know different types of financing or whatever the case might be, I'd rather see it up front. So it is a little bit more paperwork, but at the at the end of the day, it's going to be well worth it for everybody involved because you want to deal with the stressful stuff right now, not once you've already made an offer because you're going to be already plenty stressed about that when when that time comes. Right, and as we know, some things take longer to get than you expect because an employer is slow or your accountant doesn't have something. So it's better to get it in process now instead of at the, when the people are stressing out and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I want to switch gears now and talk about sales and marketing because obviously any mortgage broker who's successful understands that there's sales and marketing involved and that they have a process to that as well. It's not just kind of random. And so can you share an example of maybe a sales or marketing process that you have in your business that was maybe not working as well as you would like and then adjustment you made and the outcome you got? Yeah. I mean, on the sales side of things, I, when I first, got into this industry, my focus was to, uh, you know, work with realtors and financial advisors in my sphere of influence. And, and you kind of slowly build your A clients and that sort of thing. But you know, as time has gone by, I've got more and more clients now. So a lot of the repeat business I'm starting to see come up a lot more. And so that was something that, or especially over the last year that we've really, really focused was how do we work on our existing client base? How do we work on helping them? Because I mean, it can be very expensive to be spending money on marketing and advertising to try to bring in new business. I mean, it could be acquisition costs that are quite high. To uh, be bringing in completely cold business, where something that we've done over the last year and a half, two years, has been to start doing annual mortgage reviews, where every single client on their mortgage anniversary date, uh, we're spending you know 20 minutes to do a full-on review for them, make sure they're in the right mortgage product. We're, we're providing them with valuable information. We're not just sending them you know the typical Happy Thanksgiving and Happy you know, Canada Day and Merry Christmas emails and that. So we're really trying to provide more value to our clients after the deal is closed and have those touches be a little bit more important. And I've found that's something that my repeat business over that time in the last year and a half has more than doubled. So, you know, I mean, some of that has to do with the fact that I have more clients now, but I'd like to think that a lot of it's whenever I do send that email and I do make that contact with my clients, they're, they're pretty ecstatic to see that I still care as much now as I did when I helped them two years ago and three years ago, not just five years ago now that their mortgage renewal is coming up, right? Yeah, I know. I think annual reviews are something that we everybody hears about. It's kind of like when you first become a broker, everybody says, get a CRM and most people take two or three years to get their act together. And then once you start getting established, it's you should be doing annual, annual reviews. And I'm going to make a confession. 
I've only just started doing them and the response has been fantastic. But so you tell me what your annual review process. So do you send an email and then set up a phone call or like who's doing the call and who's doing the email just so I can have a picture in my mind of what kind of what you guys are doing? Yeah. So basically what we do is because we collect a broker consent form on every single deal from every single client, we're able to communicate with our lenders, right? So the very first thing that we do on the anniversary date, I get reminders through my CRM system saying this person's mortgage anniversary is up. So my assistant, Claudia, will send in a request to our lender to get that mortgage statement, mortgage information statement sent to us. And once I get that information statement, she just flags me to let me know that it's come in. At that point, I'll review you know, the original deal that we did with the client. I'll review their current mortgage statement to, to look at where they're at now, look at the notes that we had made when we first got their mortgage to see was it, some, was it a client that had planned on wanting to increase their payments every year. Like some clients will tell me when we first signed them up, I want to increase my payments by 10% each year. And so that's a good opportunity for me to say, hey, you know, you had mentioned this a year ago or two years ago or three years ago, and this is something you want to consider. If it is, should we maybe set up an appointment for you to come in and sit down with us? Or do you want to just go ahead and bump your payments up? Or maybe, you know, maybe times are tough and you need to drop your payments down a little bit, or uh, there's all sorts of different reasons. But the, we have an email template that I work with. I mean, obviously I have to change all the numbers in that template, but a lot of the facts that we're bringing up, we're just kind of showing them, here's where your mortgage rate was at when we first got your mortgage. Here's where mortgage rates currently are at. Here's some options if you needed to get out of this mortgage now for whatever reason, if you needed to refinance to pay off debt or, or uh, you know, to do renovations or whatever the reasons are. So we'll, we're always kind of giving them reasons. We're telling them when they should be contacting us, I guess, is what we're doing in the email. If, if there's certain things that are going on in your life, if you think you're going to be buying in a year's time, let us know so that we can kind of get the ball started and at least come up with a game plan for you now, right? And so the email goes out and then obviously, you, that, so the process is you, you get the balance on their mortgage from the lender, send her an email with some numbers and some customized dialogue. And then how many of them would you actually get on the phone with, do you think, from that process? Phone calls, I would, if I had to throw a number, I would say probably 10 to 15% of people I'd get on the phone. I mean, a lot of people will just send me an email back saying, hey, Ron, I just want to increase my payments or I just want to do this. Or I mean, the communication nowadays, a lot of people just want to communicate by email. But so I would say yeah, 10 to 15% of people will actually give me a call or say, hey, can we set up an appointment to have a quick phone chat to discuss what our current situation looks like? And here's what we're thinking of doing. Can you, you know, just, is there anything that we can be doing to make our financial picture a little bit better, right? No, that's awesome. And then when did you start this like in earnest? Really? I mean, I started it three years ago, but I wasn't religious on doing it with every single client. It kind of happened whenever I'd get a little bit slower with work and then, you know, then all of a sudden I do a bunch of mortgage reviews. But it was obviously a lot tougher in the beginning because I didn't have broker consent forms for all of my clients. And now it becomes a lot easier because because we have that broker consent form signed right with the initial the mortgage commitment and that it at least allows us to communicate with the lender direct. And, and it's also good even come renewal time, right? Because I mean, at that point, we can also contact the lender for the client, say, hey, what's the client's renewal options? We want to, you know, we want to maybe discuss, maybe it's early renewing. And, and I've never been one to, to do the switching clients uh, on maturity just for the sake of switching them. I mean, uh, a lot of times I'll try to renew my clients with the existing lender, even if I don't get paid on it, because, you know, at the end of the day, why would, why would I get somebody to put in all this time and work to to move lenders to save themselves maybe 0.05 of a percent on their mortgage rate and there's no other reason than that. You know, if, if that comes down to it, I'll tell the client they do have that option, but I'll, I'll also explain to them that if we renew with our existing lender, if we're getting just as good of a mortgage rate and just as good of a mortgage product with our existing lender, then it makes more sense to just stick it out with them, right? No, that's awesome. That's a great. And have you seen an, any uptick in the number of like client referrals or like since you started doing this more? Well, massive. Uh, I mean, the first year, all of my business had to be new business, right? So my very first year in business, I'd funded just over $20 million and that was never had a single repeat customer. I had, uh, you know, I, clearly I was brand new to the industry and, and that was a tough year because, I mean, I had um, really needed to prove myself to friends and family and anybody 
anybody that knew me that, that I knew what I was talking about. Um, so after that first year, then, you know, you started seeing a little bit of it. And I kind of, my business planning right from day one has always kind of, I've always known that by that fourth and fifth year that the repeat business and the past client referrals were really going to pick up. And I've spoken to other highly successful mortgage brokers who have been in the industry for much longer than I have that have said, you know, once you're established and you've got a good database, you know, you're going to be able to really just spend a lot of your time working with your existing client and the repeat referral business will, will start to flow. And I've noticed that especially over the last last year, especially the year before that was quite a bit as well. I mean, my business, the first couple of years was 50% realtor referred and, and uh, you know, the other 50% was kind of split up between friends and family and financial planners and a couple of other sources. But now I'm finding that my repeat and past client referral business is upwards of about 70% of my total book that's coming in here, especially this last year of 70%. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely, I guess, a lot easier to be having that repeat referral business when you have more clients, I guess. And so I got to ask, though, $20 million in your first year from like, that's pretty impressive. So what did you, like, how did you do that? Like, give me like one or two things that you would attribute to, because that's not a normal volume for somebody in their first year. No offense. Um, no, yeah, no offense. I mean, I- <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I like to think that I really just busted my ass off just getting out there and doing whatever it took to be able to earn people's trust, right? I mean, that first year, I, one of the things that um, you always hear coming into this industry is, you know, you're working with realtors is a great source of, of business. And I thought to myself, like, how can I possibly, how can I attract more realtors? And so what I ended up doing, uh, you know, three months into you know, <laughs> to doing this full time was I went and hired a, a business coach who specialized in coaching real estate agents. And I thought, you know, all well, realtors go out and they don't have two or three resources of business, they got to go out and get, you know, get business cold the way that a lot of other salespeople do. So I thought, you know, why not take hire a coach and, and hire a coach who specializes in working with real estate agents and kind of take some training that they would take and help under help me understand a little bit better how a realtor would think. And so, so that first year I had started kind of not really cold calling realtors. I mean, I would start working with realtors who we had mutual clients to just ask, you know, if you don't have a mortgage broker, you know, or, or maybe you do and you want to have another one in your back pocket, you know, I might be a person to sit down with and might be able to help each other out. But a lot of it was just really trying to impress a lot of, you know, everybody that I, like my clients, the the realtors, the financial planners, really just try to impress them. And one of the things that I spent a lot of the time focusing on was just having the turnaround time being quick, right? So I started working with lenders that had better efficiencies and lenders that were quicker. I mean, I remember, I mean, those days are kind of a little bit gone now to mm-hmm. see the days of half hour, hour approvals. But I mean, we can still, for working with the, light, the right lenders and that, I mean, we can still see approval times of being three and four hours. And so, you know, that was, I don't know that there was any real magic surprise. I bust my ass to try to bring a new business. And that was really about it. That's good. Actually, you know, now I have to have an explicit rating on my podcast. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't. Um, (laughs) So, uh, but that's a great. And so, yeah, I could talk. I'm not going to continue on that, but that's a very interesting idea to get coaching from a real estate coach so that you can then go and add value to those real estate relationships, which is a different way to solve the problems. The last question on this, how important do you think the coach was in that first years of success? Oh, it was massive. I had that first coach for almost two years. And like I said, from the beginning, I mean, if I, if I have a weakness in my business, I'll hire it out. And so coaching has been important for the growth of my business. I've always had a coach of some sort. It's not, it, you know, I had the real estate coach for a little while. And then I had, you know, an actual mortgage coach for a little while. And then I had a, a marketing coach for a little while. And right now I'm starting to look for, you know, an all around business coach. You know, and that. Uh, so it, I don't know, I just find that having that coach definitely, you know, it opened my eyes to just the 
the simple things, just, you know, what should I be doing with my day? How do I schedule my day? I mean, who should I be making phone calls to? And you start getting into the simple things like how many touches do I need to make before I have a lead and how many leads do I need to have before I have a live deal? And they, that specific coach spent a lot of time on, on just tracking your past results to be able to know where your future is headed, right? No, that's good. That's, and you know what? It takes humility to hire a coach because it says that, Hey, I don't know it all. And I, or I don't know the best way to do everything. And then you need to be able to listen to someone else's input, right? So good on you, man, yeah. for being willing to do it and list, obviously listen, because lots of times I, I've taken coaching, but I don't know if I'm always the best coach person. Cause I'm like, I know you're saying do it this way, but I want to do it my way. And yeah, right. I should just like, listen, right. That's what I'm, that's what I'm learning from you. I need to listen better to people who are coaching me. Okay. Yeah, so big time. I'm just going to move the rapid fire questions. So these you can answer with shorter answers if you like. So what is the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? Uh, the obvious answer I think is themselves. I don't know. I would say definitely themselves. Right. What one thing or habit? Fear of failure. I mean, I guess another one, fear of failure. A lot of people are scared to fail. And so they just end up not doing anything at all. One thing you think has made you, one thing or habit has made you successful. Oh, one thing or habit that's made me successful, work ethic and uh, knowing what I'm not good at. And do you have an internet resource or software program you use to make your business more successful? Successful. I have a couple, but you know, I mean, I have, you know, my website's obviously a, a resource that I use to work with, but uh, software program, a lot of it is you know, really just Outlook and proper CRM program. What do you use for CRM? I'm right in the middle of actually changing, so I'll, I won't comment on what I'm currently using. Okay, that's fair. I'll message you sometime in a month or so and see what's up. So sure, sounds If you could recommend a book for our listeners, what would it be? Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. That's a good one. And where do you think the industry's headed? Where's the opportunity? I think we're headed into a direction where there's going to be more collaboration between brokers, lenders, and or more unity, I guess, between brokers. Like I just find that over the last several years, there's been kind of this struggle on who owns the client. And so I think that we're headed more in a direction where the lenders and brokers are going to be working together. And you know, I think that the opportunity will be you know, all of a sudden with your mortgage renewal business, I mean, you're going to be able to get paid when you start seeing a lot more of these lenders that are coming out now with trailer models and different things like that. So that's, mm-hmm. that's good. So the last question, one of my favorites, remember that it's a DeLorean question. Remember the movie Back to the Future? Yeah. And so the DeLorean's that car you can try travel in time. So if I could put you in the DeLorean and fire you back to five years ago when you started as a broker and you could sit down with yourself and say, Ron, here, do these three things so that your business is even bigger than it is today. So what three things would you tell yourself? Oh man, that's a tough one. I would say do a lot of things that I don't know. I do a lot of things that I've been doing really. I mean, hire out the, the things that you're no good at and uh, you know, the thing, like just acknowledge what it is that you're not good at. And part of that is the coaching side of it. I think for a lot of people, just hire somebody that can hold you accountable. If you're not, if you can't hold yourself accountable, I know that I'm not great at holding myself accountable so I get people to do it for me. But really, that would be about it. Okay, so cool, man. Well, I really appreciate your time. So where can people find you online? They can find me on my website, puremortgage.ca or yeah, oh, that's best way to find me on my website, goodmortgage.ca. And are you guys hiring at all? Am I wife, sorry? Are you hiring? Am I hiring? I will be probably in the next six months. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so Ron, I really appreciate your time and for your input on this today. I, I hope you absolutely rock the rest of your year. And thanks, man, so much. Thanks a lot, Scott. If you are prepared to take your mortgage business to the next level, there is only one place to go. I love mortgage brokering with your host, Scott Heckford. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Have you joined our VIP club for mortgage brokers yet? If not, you're missing out. We share exclusive content not available on the web or the show. We share scripts, step-by-step guides, and other insider tips to help you save time and make you more money. I can't tell you how many times after I turn off the recorder, a guest starts sharing some awesome advice or a script or, or a tip, and I take the best of this and share it with my VIPs. If you want to get on the list, visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. That's ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. 
Oh, and one other thing. Since this is exclusive for mortgage brokers, there is a skill testing question. Good luck, and I hope you continue to rock your mortgage biz.